Good morning, everyone. Buenos dias. Welcome to uh, Metro Vision broadcast from coming at you from Los Angeles, California. Uh, today's a big day. Uh, today we are having our global fast. Uh, people are fasting and joining us in fasting and prayer all around the world. And I know in, in countries all across Asia and Africa and the Middle East and Europe and Latin America, South America, North America, the Pacific Islands, we are uh, together praying and fasting today, which is really something uh, great, something very exciting. Um, you know, I've, I've never been part of something this big that uh, is touching lives all over the world. And it's a, it's a big day. So I hope you uh, are having a good start to your fast. If you're not, you're welcome to join us or do it another day. Um, I want to welcome those who are visiting and listening. Uh, it's great to have you with us. And, and I'm excited about what we're going to study today. But, you know, as, as, as we begin, I'm going to go ahead and uh, say a prayer. I just want to remind us uh, why we're fasting. You know, we're fasting for uh, the, 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 all our friends and neighbors and family around the world, for those who are vulnerable, for those who are in need. I am particularly concerned about uh, this virus spreading into to areas of extreme poverty and how fast that will go through and how that will affect many, many people. Uh, the numbers are increasing. I, I, I'm afraid they're going to probably increase exponentially in, in the next in the days to come. Uh, the numbers of deaths are already at uh, 22,000 around the world, and a half a million people have been affected by this virus. And we know it's going to go up considerably as it spreads around the world. And, and we want to keep people in prayer, you know, as I've shared before. Uh, these are numbers, but every one of those numbers represents a real person and who is a mother, father, brother, sister, a, a relative, a close friend, a neighbor who, who affects many people's lives. So let's please uh, be in fervent prayer for all of them, and uh, especially the countries that are most impacted, which right now are still China and Italy and the United States and Spain are in the top category. Um, and and it's, it is spreading into some of the poorer regions of the world. So particularly uh, for those who are poor, who don't have access to any doctors, who don't have access to go to hospitals, uh, have no equipment, no gear, no ventilators, no, nothing like that. And for many of them, which is millions of people, it will simply be, will I survive this or not? And will I leave my kids orphaned? Or uh, this is the kind of impact that, uh, that something this uh, deadly will have on poor communities. So Let's keep that in prayer. We'll say a short prayer, and then we'll jump right into, I think, a, a fantastic study as we wrap up the book of Elijah or or our study on the character of Elijah. Let's pray. Father God, uh, please hear our prayer, Father, as we join uh, prayers of of thousands and, and, and tens of thousands around the world who are praying to you on behalf of of the sick, of the half, behalf of the vulnerable, behalf of the weak, behalf of our friends and family who are un untouched, that we are praying will remain untouched, God. We pray for the churches around the world and for uh, the communities, the, the cities, the, the countrysides. Uh, Father, we just, we pray for our world, God. We pray that all of this would cause everyone 
to turn to you and reach out to you and to have open hearts uh, towards Jesus, who is the answer to everything, God. God, please uh, bless our prayer, our, our our fasting, and watch over us and our children. Uh, please bless the time we have now to study your word, Father, and to learn as much as we can from it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, so we're, we're, we're going to jump into uh, 1 Kings. We will pick up where we left off, you know, in chapter 18 was the, the great battle, you know, the, 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 the prophet of Yahweh, whose name means Yahweh is God, who takes on the, um, the prophets of Baal, the prophets of Molech, um, specifically the, the 450 who show up to do battle with him. And he just wipes them out with an incredible display of God's power and, and God's glory as God sends down fire from heaven, that burns up, um, the, the, the sacrifice. And what, a, what a great victory. I mean, imagine being able to be the one, the point person on a victory that great. You know, such an amazing display. You know, we all, we, we look for how God is moving. We, we, we interpret things and we, we love to be able to point at anything and say, God did that for me or God made that happen. Imagine something this intense, this huge where hundreds and hundreds of people saw it happen. Hundreds and hundreds of people were blown away and they all ended up saying, Yahweh is God. God is great. They all ended up cheering our God, you know, what a great victory. And then we look at what happens after that victory. You know, somebody once said that the two hardest things to deal with is failure and success. And as I have, you know, as I get older in life, I'm, I'm realizing how true that really is that, you know, failure brings on a whole set of challenges, but so does success. And, and, the lesson is just always stay humble, always stay close to God, no matter what. But um, there's so much to learn in this. This is one of my favorite uh, uh, episodes, one of my favorite stories in the Bible. And it's been particularly very special to me uh, as I went through a, a, a series of challenges, um, just seeing things happen to people I loved very dearly and and. Uh, seeing uh, some people do things that I just didn't think should be done and and how that hurt me and how I had to work through all that. And I camped out in 1 Kings 17, 18, and 19 for a long time and just was so uh, ministered to by the story of Elijah. So I hope you get something out of this. I hope this can help you. So we jump into 1 Kings 19, and it starts out with, you know, right after the great victory, uh, now Ahab told Jezebel. Now remember, Ahab was the king, and Jezebel's his wife. Everything she told, he told her everything Elijah had done, and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, "May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them." Um, you know, Elijah had the prophets of Baal killed and wiped out and which was what he was supposed to do because of of their influence and and their leadership on the people of God. So now Jezebel comes in and says, you know, be it ever so severely done to me if I don't deal with Elijah in the same way um, by tomorrow, by this time tomorrow. I mean, this is 
this is this is not I'm going to get you someday or I'm going to come after you or or watch out for me. This is I'm going to kill you right now. And it's going you're going to be dead in 24 hours. And she comes after um she comes after Elijah. This is a very real threat that Elijah is under. Now Elijah coming off in a great victory, how does he respond? How does he how does he take this threat? Well, we look in verse three, it says, Elijah was afraid and he ran for his life. I mean, that that's like, whoa, he just had this huge victory. What do you mean he was afraid? What do you mean he was scared and he ran for his life? But you know, that's, that's the nature of fear. Fear is not rational. Fear doesn't just always play around along the rules of, of logic. Sometimes things tap into our fears and we don't even know why we're so afraid. We don't know what is bothering us about something, but it can bother us deeply. And, and we, every, everybody is deep waters. Everybody has deep thoughts and layers and layers and layers. And like Shrek said, you know, we're like onions. Um, we have layers and layers that you can get through and we have deep stuff going on. Something hit Elijah from this threat. Maybe it was how precise it was. Maybe it was how how it even had a timeline. Maybe maybe just the fact that Jezebel was so vengeful. She, you know, Elijah had seen probably a lot of his friends killed. He probably had family members and close friends disappear, not knowing what happened to them, knowing that she that Jezebel had gone after them. It says when he came to Beersheba and Judah. He left his servant there. So what does Elijah do? He's up in Israel. This is where Mount Carmel is. And he takes off south. And he and he, and he gets to Beersheba and Judah. And Judah, by the way, is outside of the reach of Jezebel. Jezebel's in Israel. And, and Ahab and Jezebel are the king, queen of Israel. They don't have jurisdiction in Judah. So Elijah takes off running to Judah. And he leaves his servant there. While he himself, he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom brush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. What a, what a, what a response. What a What is happening? What I mean, after chapter 8, you know, 17 being built up in faith, and fed by ravens, and he he gets to help revive a child from the dead. I mean, talk about faith building. And then in chapter 18, taking on the 450 prophets of Baal and winning, I mean, just overtly, decidedly wiping them out and literally wiping them out. And then Jezebel threatens him, and he takes off running. And he's really scared. He's really afraid for his life, and he's running to save his life. And it's interesting. He, he goes and he, and he comes to a broom brush, and he sits down under it, and, and I think his prayer reveals a lot of what's going on inside. He says, I've had enough. You know, when do you say that? When do you say, I've had enough? You know, it's usually when you're tired. It's when you're worn out, when you feel like there's just no more to give. There's no more in there. There's 
There's you're, you've run dry. The wells run dry. Your love tank is empty. And you usually when you're at the end of your rope, when you say something like I've had enough and you feel like you just can't take it anymore. It's where he was sitting under the broom tree, deeply discouraged. I remember at one point uh, last year, one of my friends, one of my very special friends, Jim Long, emailed me or texted me. He said, how are you doing? And I just texted back. I said, I'm, I'm sitting under the broom tree. And it's where I was at. I, I so related to Elijah. And I just felt like I've had enough. I, I can't, I can't, I can't give another inch right now. I just need God. And, and it's what he was feeling. And, and I think that he also was disappointed in himself. Why? He says, because he says, then he said, take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. And then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. You know, what it says to me is just how discouraged, how tired and worn out he was. You know, he'd given, he'd given, he'd taken on the prophets, he'd done all these things. He gave, 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 gave until he ran out. And now he's he's physically worn out. He's emotionally worn out. He's tired. He's ashamed. He's, he's, it's bothering him deeply that he's not more. You know that feeling when you just wish that you were stronger spiritually. You wish that you weren't tempted by things. You wish that, that you could just overcome your sinful nature. You wish you didn't have a sinful nature. You wish you weren't tempted by anything. And, 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 but, and you want to be so much more than you are spiritually. And you're disappointed in yourself. I think that's where he was. I think he, he just thought about himself. And, you know, because he takes off running to save his life. And now he's throwing his life away. Now he's saying, God, just take me out. I'm no good. I'm worthless. I'm no better than all my people who turn their backs on you. He's deeply disappointed in himself. And maybe that's the worst disappointment. It's one thing to be disappointed by others, but to be disappointed by yourself because you wanted to do more or you wanted to give more or you wanted to be more and you didn't and you weren't and you haven't. And I think that's what he was feeling. And he lay down under the bush. He was tired and he, he just fell asleep. He fell asleep. And the amazing thing now, and you got to really watch this, is how God responds to him. A spiritual person who's hurting, who's worn out, who's just tired. It says in verse 5, all at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. And he looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank, and then he lay down again. It tells you how how exhausted he is, how exhausted he is emotionally, spiritually. But wow, what this shows about God. God sends a personal messenger, the angel, to come and the angel cooks him breakfast. I mean, what a scene. What a scene. 
An angel of the Lord is baking him bread and pours him a glass of water. And what does that tell you about God? How, how much God cares not only about how are you doing spiritually, are you righteous, are you holy, but how are you doing? And it shows us so much of how God cares about how where we're at physically, where we're at emotionally, where, where our, uh, our mental health is at. Not just where we're at spiritually, but the whole you. I mean, you talk about holistic. God is holistic. God knows all that you are and all that you're not. And he cares about all of you and every part of you. Your mind, your thoughts, your heart, your body, your physical well-being. Why? Because that's the way love is. Love doesn't care about a certain part of the person. Love cares about the whole person, about all of them. And then we kind of get a repeat. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. You know, again, the, the care and the concern God is expressing. It's just amazing. You know, and he, he he's saying, he's saying, you, you need to eat some more. And I don't know, you know, I always mention, I bet that bread was good. I bet it was really good. I bet that water was just fresh and crisp and clean and cool and just what he needed. Just what he needed. And the Lord knew what he needed. Sometimes we know what we need. Sometimes we don't know what we need. Sometimes we don't know what we need and we come to the wrong conclusions. Like, my life's over. Or I'm worthless. Or I got nothing more to give. And those are wrong answers. (laughs) That's not it. When you're feeling this, what it really means is you need to be restored. And you need to be refreshed. And you need to be strengthened again. He tells them, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. You know, we're all on a spiritual journey. We're all on that journey. And sometimes we hit points on that journey that are just hard. They're they're tough. And sometimes we feel like we just can't go on anymore. Sometimes we get discouraged. Sometimes we just get tired. Sometimes Satan attacks us and... And, and, and like I said, maybe the worst is when we don't even live up to our own expectations, let alone God's expectations. And we want to be more, but we've pushed too hard or we don't understand the importance of rest or the importance of taking care of ourselves. These are things God understands. These are things God knows. And he knows our limits. He knows what we can and cannot do. And we most of the time don't know. I mean, most guys, we just push, push, and we can crawl another inch. And I would say most of the the, the, the women in leadership are the same in, in their tenacity and their devotion. And many, many of us as disciples, we just don't know how to take care of ourselves emotionally, physically, even spiritually. I'm, I'm, I'm loving the book that I'm reading right now, Soul Care, which is a broad topic that many writers are writing about, of just how do you take care of your soul? How do you make sure your soul is healthy and that you, and you are therefore spiritually strong? 
because you've taken care of your soul. And he says, the journey is too much for you. God knows our limits. God knows how much we can do. God knows how much we can give without being replenished. And again, the answer is never quit or bail out or walk away or die spiritually. That's not the answer. The answer is come back to God and be refreshed, be restored, eat well, drink well, sleep well, pray well, just be taken care of. He said he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb. Horeb? Why, why is he going to Horeb? What is Horeb? Horeb is where Moses saw the burning bush. Horeb is where Moses spent 40 days with the Lord and received the Ten Commandments. Horeb is where God showed his people his plan and made them his holy nation, made them his royal priesthood, made them his own people, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. So now he's he's doing better. You know, he's, he's, he's going to the Lord. He's not just going off to the wilderness, sitting under a broom tree. He's off to a mountain, to the mountain of the Lord, the mountain, the mountain where it all happened, where God spoke and created his people. And then we read in verse 9, and it's almost the same again. He repeats the question, the question he repeats, and the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? I love that question. I love I love Elijah's getting there, and, and God says, what are you doing here? And I don't think it was a, it was a, I think it was a rhetorical question. It was a question to make Elijah think about what's happening here. What are you doing, Elijah? You know, it's it's you can almost hear the tone like a parent, like a mom saying, boy, what are you doing? Or a dad saying, son, what are you doing? And you're feeling called out, you know? And he replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant and torn down your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. And he states his case and he states what he's feeling and the frustration and the and the, and the, the exhaustion and the anger. And you, you definitely get a little hint of, of whining there, you know. You killed everybody and I'm the only one left. You know, he's just he's kind of whining a little bit. But it's what he's feeling. He's being real. This is what he's feeling with God. I don't know what you're up to, God. This me, just me, and I'm broken. Basically what he's saying. And we read on the Lord's answer. He says, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. For the Lord is about to pass by. And that happened before. Moses was up there. And he got to see the back of the God. Uh, the back of God. God protected him, else he die. But he says, he takes Elijah there, and he says, go stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, 
but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. You see, Elijah knew the story of Moses, and he knew that Moses had to be protected because anyone who would look on the face of God would surely die. But he wanted to get as close to God as he could. And he went out to the face of the cave, the mouth of the cave, and he stood there to listen to the gentle whisper. What was God telling him? What was God showing him? Elijah had just done the big things, taking on Baal, taking on Molech, taking on all the false prophets. He had the faith to do that, but he didn't have the faith to believe that God would take care of him, that God was watching over him as well. God showed him the wind and the earthquake and all the big things, the fire. Of course, God is in those things, but not today. Today, he was in the gentle whisper. He's in the small things too. And he's in the details. And though you might not be on the news that anybody's everybody's interviewing to find out what to do with COVID-19, you are incredibly significant to God. You are his whisper. You mean something. And so Elijah's there listening. And we get a repeat again. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And I, I don't know, this is just me, but I suspect this time it was a little different. It was a little more of a compassionate question. Come on, Elijah, what are you doing? What are you doing? Think about it. And he replied again, well, I have been very zealous for the Lord, God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant and torn down your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. And he repeats his, his same statement. I suspect, this is me, not with the same anger, not with the same frustration. Maybe questioning himself by now. Maybe starting to get it. Because he's heard the whisper of the Lord. He's heard God in the whisper. And in verse 15 through 18, the Lord said to him, Go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu son of Nimshi king over Israel. And anoint Elisha the son of Shaphat and Abel Meholah to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will be put to death. Jehu will put to death any who escaped the sword of Hazael. And Elisha will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. Yet, I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. So the first thing is he just needed to get restored. He just, he just needed to be with God. He needed to be replenished. You know, if you've ever read the five love languages, he talks about your love tank being refilled, refilled continually. We always have to be refilled. Bernard of Clairvaux said one time that a man of God has to be not like a river, but like a reservoir. Because as he gives, he must also be filled continually. 
so that we have more to give from. A spiritual man, a spiritual woman, has to constantly be refilling their cup, constantly drinking deep from the well of faith so that they have much to give. But when we're running low, we have to be able to recognize that. We have to be able to know that we're running low, know that our souls need care, know when our bodies need care, know when our minds and our hearts need care. Boy, has that taken me a long time to begin to figure out how important it is. And God knows that. And so first, he just refreshes Elisha. But then he tells him to go and appoint others. Go get help. You're not alone. Because in those complaints was, I'm all by myself. You ever feel that? Nobody understands me. I'm all by myself. And it wasn't true. And he had already prepared others to succeed him. He just had to go name them and raise them up. And not only that, but he had already guarded 7,000 in Israel who had not bowed down to Baal, had not kissed his statue. You know, God is always working. He's so much smarter than us. He knows so much more than us. And he's out there doing things before we get there, when we get there, and long after we've left there. God is all around us working all the time. He's moving powerfully today in ways we don't see. The truth is we don't see 99.9% of what God is doing. We see a tiny, tiny bit. And sadly, sometimes we judge God by that tiny, tiny bit that we see. But you must, we need to know that God is in the whisper, that you are important. And not just what you produce spiritually, but your mind, your heart, your body, your soul, God is concerned about. And God cares about. And you have to be able to know when the journey is too much for you. When you need to rest, when you need to sleep, when you need to just be cared for. So that you can refill, refresh, and go out and help others. God was not done with Elijah. Not yet. And God is not done with you. And God is not done with me. So let's be refreshed and refilled this morning. Today with God. Today we're going to God in prayer And asking for a lot of big things. Let's be close to him. And as we close out, I just want to say how much I appreciate how how so many are in prayer and so many are out looking for ways to serve and give and be a light to the world. And I want to thank you for your example and for all that you are doing as a disciple of Jesus. Stay strong, stay safe, and stay spiritual. God bless you. Have a great day of prayer and fasting.